Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 69 of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I am your host, Archie Mitchell, and tonight we are back at it again with some AEW NXT, a little bit of the highlight reel and a little bit of the quick hits. And I do promise everybody's favorite show, Grinds My Gears, is back at the ending, ladies and gentlemen. So, it wasn't a huge week for wrestling this week, ladies and gentlemen. Not a lot of news going on, not a lot of big things happening, except for what happened on TV and a couple of interviews here and there. But I do promise you, the absolute best show tonight that you have come to expect each and every week from myself and right here on WrestleNet Radio. So let's not waste any more time. Let's go ahead and get to some quick hits. And tonight, our first quick hit comes to us from the WWE. Triple H has announced that during an interview on a podcast, not this one, though, that at the Survivor Series this year, we will see the return of the War Games. That is right, ladies and gentlemen, on November 26th this year, there will be a, for the first time, War Games match, both men's and women's. That is a huge change to the Survivor Series theme. As we know, Survivor Series has generally been four to five man matches that were either representing their brand or a current storyline that was going on. But now, with the War Games coming into effect, you can believe that a lot of different happenings will be going on. We may see teams that don't even like each other going into the War Games this year because look at it this way. With the Bloodline having all the gold, we may see guys like Karrion Cross and Drew McIntyre on the same team in order to get at Roman Reigns and the, bat and the Bloodline in the War Games. So with that being said, this is an absolute huge announcement for the WWE. So I guess I was being a little facetious there. There were some big news things going on. But Triple H slowly but surely turning the WWE into a better place. Now, that doesn't mean that every decision he makes is always right. Because quick hit number two, Logan Paul will challenge Roman Reigns for the WWE Unified Championship at Crown Jewel. To quote the Hurricane, what's up with that? I mean, I understand Logan Paul has like 40 million followers through all of social media. People that are not my age want to see him, but I'm not a 12-year-old girl um, or a young boy who's interested in Pokemon cards. And that's not a knock. And anyone who, you know, collects Pokemon cards or anything of that nature, what I'm saying is, is he has a different audience than what's going to be watching Saudi Arabia and what's going to be watching Peacock or the WWE Network, depending on where you live, um, for Crown Jewel. Now, the reason given for this happening is that the Saudi Prince and the government pay the WWE millions and billions of dollars to bring celebrities. And I get that. But couldn't we just ask Hugh Jackman to come and knock out Dolph Ziggler again? Or maybe get, like, I don't know, Bob Barker to come and do a couple of lines during a Price is Right bullshit segment? Did it really have to be Logan Paul challenging for the WWE Unified Championship? It, there, there were dozens of other matches we could have put him in. 
Roman Reigns didn't even have to defend the title at Crown Jewel. He could have went off on vacation for the week and let Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross main event Crown Jewel instead of Extreme Rules in a month. I mean, look, I know I'm bitching right now, and I'm sure a lot of the rest of you are, and I'm sure some of you are going, well, what the hell, it's no big deal. It's a throwaway pay-per-view anyway. Well, I can say for sure that it's definitely a throwaway pay-per-view for me because except for telling you guys the spoilers and what's going to be going on, I will not be reviewing Crown Jewel. I'll give you the results when the show airs. I'll give you the results on the following weeks. If you smell what the arch is cooking, maybe I'll put it a part of the highlight reel. But I'm not going to go in depth and I'm not even going to be watching this pay-per-view, ladies and gentlemen. So, yes, I'm bitching for no reason because I'm not watching. And I know that's not going to affect the WWE's buy rate or, you know, Peacock uh, subscriptions in any way, shape or form. No, I get that. But I have no reason to watch. Okay, seeing Logan Paul in a probably 10 to 15 minute match with Roman Reigns, he'll probably throw a pretty decent looking frog splash. Roman will do his normal shtick. I just don't need to see it. So I'll be bypassing this one. And finally, quick hit number three. Kurt Angle now dealing with memory loss due to concussions suffered in the ring during his past career. Uh, this really upset me in a very big way, ladies and gentlemen. I'm a big Kurt Angle fan. I think that he has always been his at his absolute best in the ring. And I know he's had his problems and dealt with his demons before, but he's conquered them. And Kurt has always given 100% in the ring. So to find out now that he is dealing with memory loss and that other problems that come with concussion protocol and other issues of that nature is really upsetting. I want to wish Kurt Angle the absolute best. I hope that he has a good doctor who can maybe help him deal with this. If he's dealing with any headaches or problems that come along with concussions, I hope that he can become a full recovery uh, participant in this, and we can hear a good report somewhere down the line. In any indication, we send our best wishes to Kurt Angle, and I hope that he bounces back from this. And if not, I hope that he can have a quality life going forward and that this does not affect him that much. So, moving on, ladies and gentlemen, from the quick hits, let's go into my newest favorite segment, I have to say. Let's go ahead and go into the highlight reel. And there we go. Sorry about that. A little bit of technical difficulties. <laughs> but the highlight reel starts off with Monday Night Raw. And this week's on Monday Night Raw, we had number one, Bobby Lashley and Seth Rollins for the U.S. title. That was a fantastic match. Both guys threw everything but the kitchen sink at each other. Bobby Lashley is a fantastic United States champion, and I'm happy that they kept the gold on him here. But I also like that Seth Rollins can lose a match and it not affect his current storyline or his career in any effect. You know, people go on and on when some one guy loses one match. Oh, he's being buried. No, he's not being buried. He's progressing somebody else's career and allowing himself to take a loss and still come out looking good on it. Number two, Kevin Owens versus Austin Theory. The promo that led to this match was fantastic, and then the match did that promo justice. 
Austin Theory is great in the ring. I just wish he wouldn't talk so damn much. And Kevin Owens is by far a star and should be getting a push from here on out. I enjoyed this match very, very much. In fact, I think it was my favorite part of Monday Night Raw. And then finally, the Street Profits taking on Pete Dunne and uh, Ridge Holland. This is what tag team wrestling should be. This is what a tag team division should look like. Now, whether you want to credit it to the Usos for being the double unified tag team champions or not, and the WWE finally pushing to get them some competition, I don't know. But I will say this. I am very much so looking forward to uh, the Usos taking on Ridge Holland and Dunn over on SmackDown. And I did watch it. So we'll go ahead and get into the SmackDown highlights now. And number one, the ending to the opening segment with Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn was fantastic. I don't care what you think about Roman Reigns right now. He is by far the man in the WWE. Sami Zayn, though, is kind of teetering on being just as over. That fan support, the way those fans cheered, and then the way they popped when Roman gave him the honorary ooh shirt was amazing. So, big ups to the WWE for keeping that continued storyline going. Number two, the brawl between McIntyre and Cross minus the botched fireball by Scarlett. That was terrible. But the brawl that these two had and that strap that they had involved, I can only assume that they will now be facing each other in Extreme Rules in a strap match. Um, I will say this, though. I don't like that they have gone straight into a gimmick match for their first match that they're going to be having. I would have liked them to have a one-on-one -on -one encounter at Crown Jewel and then go on ahead and have the strap match at Extreme Rules and then maybe one more after that uh, at an upcoming pay-per-view. But a strap match is always fun, so I'm not going to complain. But the fireball was weak as shit. And then Josh Blevins went ahead and um, <laughs> he pointed it out to me when they came back from commercial break and you see the pictures of the fireball being thrown. They used Photoshop and put up what looked to be an amazing fireball hitting Drew in the face. Meanwhile, it took a low blow and a beat down to finally put his ass down. Because once the botch happened, he didn't sell it. So, And number three, Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland taking on the Usos. This match was unbelievable. The Usos are by far a great tag team and definitely doing a great job of holding down the tag team titles. I don't like it being unified because I'd like, you know, there to be other teams battling for the gold, but this match was incredible. Great job by all involved. WWE put on some great matches this week and a couple of good segments. Uh, stay tuned for whatever this white rabbit thing is with the QR code. If you miss it, go back and find it because it's really telling a story. I I'm not even going to get into who or what I think it is yet. I think I'd rather wait and maybe talk about it next week. But there is a lot going on in the WWE right now. And in my opinion, uh, we are we are good to go. It, 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 we're into the Royal Rumble season uh, uh, with Survivor Series, War Games, Royal Rumble, and then Mania. It's going to be a good winter, folks. And finally, making an uh, appearance on the highlight reel is AEW Rampage because there were a couple of highlights there. Not a great show, but a couple of decent moments going on. And number one was the Buddy Matthews and Brody King versus Sting and Darby Allen matchup featuring the debut to the great Muda to AEW. Wow.
a guy that Sting battled all over the world and throughout the 80s and early 90s. Unbelievable seeing Muda come in, deliver the mist. That was great. Absolutely great to see the great Muda in the AEW ring. Uh, number two, Ray Phoenix and Jungle Boy. I mean, what could not be said about these two? They are fantastic in the ring. They had great chemistry on uh, Rampage and by far were the highlight of the night in my opinion. Uh, everything else was very, very sketchy and botchy on the show. It was very quick as well. They gave these guys about 16 minutes to go out there and do battle, and guess what? They used their 16 minutes uh, very well. Um, you know, no complaints here by what went on between those two men in that ring. So big ups to Ray Phoenix and Jungle Boy, and great job to AEW for actually putting over Jungle Boy. Because you, I was expecting Ray to get the win and, you know, keep on with his push, which he's still being pushed. He's the trios champion. But nice to see Jungle Boy actually get a push before getting destroyed by Christian and Luchasaurus. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our show review. And uh, we start out where we do every week. It's Tuesday night, and it is time for NXT. And just a reminder, check out all the shows here on the WrestleNet Radio Network. That's right. If you're missing out on Aaron's uh, year that was, or Nate's slice of time, guys, check it out, because I guarantee you, you will be completely and utterly entertained by all that is involved. So, getting into NXT, we get a nice recap from last week and the one-year celebration of NXT 2.0. Complete with solo... Sequoia winning the North American title and the return of just NXT. That's right. We now have a white, black, and gold logo and no more 2.0, ladies and gentlemen. A video from earlier today plays and shows us that HPK has stripped Solo Sequoia of the North American title and uh, placed Carmelo Hayes and four others in superstars in a ladder match at Halloween Havoc. That's right. Five superstars will compete for the vacant North American title. It really sucks that they did that to Solo, but I'm excited for the ladder match, so I guess we gotta wait and see what goes on here. I guess they were really weren't anticipating uh, the North American title going ahead and being primarily on SmackDown, so they had to do something to get the belt back. We go to the ring for our opening match, and it's Axiom taking on Nathan Frazier. Incredible opening bout with both these guys putting their bodies on the line. Axiom showed a tweaked style of speed and high-flying agility uh, throughout, and Frazier mixed it up with some high-risk moves and raw power. It looked like Axiom had the win, but Frazier countered, hit his finisher, and got the win in 13 minutes. Very well done, and this is only their second of a best-of-three match, so I can't wait for more from these two. A vignette for Elba Fire and her recent injection into the women's title picture is shown, and then we shift to Toxic Attraction. Mandy Rose lets Gigi and JC know that next week she's going to get rid of Fallon Henry, but tonight they need to deliver in their tag match. Pre-recorded comments from Damon Kemp, and we finally get an explanation as to why he turned on Diamond Mine. Pretty well put together storyline here, and a shot of Ivy Nile pissed off and complaining to Tatum about Kemp is shown, and they're ready for their tag team matchup with Toxic Attraction. We go to the ring. Gigi and JC basically squashed their opponents uh, in this one and never allowed Nile or Paxley to get in any offense. They had a big finisher on Nile and got the win in four minutes. 
glad to see them winning again, and I'm cool with the squash match here because Nile and, and Paxley are not really a tag team uh, per se. So I'd like to see Ivy Nile back in the singles picture and go on from there. The schism is shown walking to the ring and ready to try and recruit Cameron Grimes again, or so we think. Uh, we shoot uh, to a footage of uh, J.D. McDowell and Tyler Bate arriving to the arena later on tonight. They will be facing in a number one contenders match uh, for the NXT title. Uh, Joe Gacy and Diet are now in the ring and preaching that they'll no longer wait for Cameron Grimes or anyone who doesn't want to join them. Gacy says they've given everyone ample time and uh, they've been patient, but no more. They get interrupted by Enoff and Malik, who come out swinging, and we apparently go right into a match. The Dyad taking on Enoff and Malik. Enoff continued his beatdown in the ring and took it to his opponent. Malik got the hot tag and hit an impressive-looking splash with major height. I have to say, this guy got some crazy air. It looked like the two youngsters would get the win, but the Dyad turned it around with an assisted destroyer. And then their double-team finisher to get the win in 10 minutes. I'm really hoping that this feud continues because these two have great chemistry, these two tag teams. A replay from Quincy's debut from last week is shown, and it's literally the entire match because it lasted all the two minutes. Roxanne Perez gave props to uh, Sotomora in their match last week. She finished off by saying she is not done with Cora Jade, not by a long shot. Wendy Chu then gets to the ring to take on Cora Jade. Both women look great in this match, and I honestly wanted them to get a little more time, but still good. Wendy tried to get the upset, but Cora reversed her into a DDT and got the win in four minutes. Post-match, Lash Legend attacked Wendy, and I guess she's in another new feud. Wow. Oh, joy. McKenzie interviews Braun Breaker uh, about tonight's main event and uh, who he thinks should be the number one contender. He says, both of them are tough opponents, and he cannot wait to see who goes over. And he picks Tyler Bate to be the one to win because he wants a rematch from their matchup at World Worlds Collide. Carmelo Hayes is pumped up by Trick, and he's coming to the ring. Another highlight package for Oral Mensa has aired, and uh, this guy looks like he can go. Uh, he's then interviewed uh, by uh, this new girl, backstage interviewer, and is informed that he can now qualify for the North American ladder uh, North American title ladder match. At Halloween Havoc, if he can beat Grayson Waller. And God, I hope he can beat Grayson Waller. He's excited, and this is why he came to NXT, is what he says. He's pumped up for tonight. We go back out to the ring. Carmelo and Trick hit the ring. Trick tells us the fans to shut up and let the champ speak. He's not the champion anymore, Trick. Hayes says the votes don't matter, and he's the breakout star of NXT. He blames the ref for his loss last week and says he doesn't matter what happened last week. He's still the A champion. He gets interrupted by Chase U, and it's time for a teachable moment. And it's time for another impromptu tag match. I'm liking this. We got Andre Chase and Bodie taking on Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. All four men brawled in and out of the ring, and we got down to just Andre Chase and Carmelo Hayes. It was all Hayes, but a great reversal and pin by Chase saw him get the roll up and a win on the former champion in just four minutes i'm shocked and liking what they're doing tonight they're pushing a lot of talent and bringing on some new storylines keep it up sangha and von wagner make their way to the ring for their battle of the bulls and to basically steal a quote from good old jr this looks like it's going to be a slobber knocker gallus is shown playing darts and poker when jensen and briggs walk in and make threats security keeps them separated as they shout at one another and i say let him fight i mean you got five big guys looking to go at it let him go 
Let him fight. I don't care. <laughs> Sangha then takes on Von Wagner. And I expect a little more from these two because of the three minutes they were in the ring, it was great. Sangha started off with some shoulder blocks and a big clothesline, but Stone caused a distraction. Wagner beat the big man down and then hit his finisher out of nowhere and got the win. Give these guys 10 minutes. Let him go. You've seen how good Von Wagner could be in the ring with Solo Sequoia. Why are we protecting him and not giving him a longer match? Footage of Wesley's beatdown is shown from last week, and we learned that he could have just went straight into the ladder match because he was voted in to the North American title match last week. Well, he would be getting a buy into the ladder match without qualifying, but no, he chose to qualify and not take the free ride. Staxton shows up and tells McKenzie that Lee is stupid and he should have just taken the free match and not had to go through qualifying because next week he'll be taking on the Don Tony D. Not really looking forward to that match, to be honest with you. Cameron Grimes lets Joe Gacy know that next week there won't be any peace or compassion, just a beating when they go toe-to-toe. I'm liking this new Cameron Grimes. Aura Mensah then takes on Grayson Waller. The newcomer had an impressive debut and took some high-risk shots at Waller. Grayson tried to get the upper hand, but Apollo Crews showed up and made his own eye bleed, and that freaked out Waller. Freaked me out, too, honestly. Mensa hit his finisher and got the win in seven minutes. Kind of a weird match for a debut, but Mensa's in the ladder match, and Waller is not. I'm very happy about that. The Creeds are talking about uh, Damon Kemp, and Brutus says he's the one that has to go after Kemp first because of the attack last week. Braun Breaker makes his way to the ring with one of the kids from the Connors Cure Foundation, and the crowd chants intently. Uh, the Surfer Girl will debut next week. Apparently, she got pushed back. Uh, again, I was worried. I, I, I'm hoping she gets in next week because it looks like the best absolute storyline they could have done. Not. Uh, we get a rundown for next week's card. It looks pretty stacked, but it's main event time as J.D. McDowell and Tyler Bate will be going one-on-one for the number one contendership to the NXT title. A great back-and-forth matchup with Bate and McDowell. Uh, not giving an inch here. These two guys went at it toe-to-toe. They traded right hands, chops, and submission moves throughout the match, and neither had a clear-cut advantage as reversals were flying. J.D. pulled ahead, but then Bate reversed it and made a hell of a comeback, almost hitting his Tiger driver, but McDowell fought back. J.D. finally pulled off his finisher and got a huge win in 13 minutes. Phenomenal main event for tonight, but again, wait, there's more. Post-match, Ron Breaker got in the ring and went face-to-face with his new number one contender, but a unfamiliar music hit, and Ilya Dragunov made his debut in NXT and interrupted the champion and the challenger. The man who beat Walter is now in NXT. Braun, Ilio, and McDowell go face-to-face and leave us wondering what's next. Great show here. My only complaint was the time for some of the matches. I'm going to give NXT a 4 out of 5 this week because it was action-packed and told a great story all night long, which is what I expect from this show every week. So, Good job by NXT this week. Now let's see if AEW can stay in the same way as we get to our Dynamite review. And remember to check out the We Can't Wrestle podcast and March Indie Spotlight. Again, guys, I promise you, you will not be in any way, shape, or form disappointed by the list of shows that we have on this podcast network. And getting into AEW Dynamite Grand Slam, 
we get welcome to the show and go right into the action with our opening match for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight title. Chris Jericho taking on Claudio Castanagli. We start off with a handshake in the middle of the ring, and then both these veterans went to work. Claudio used his power and kept Jericho down from the beginning of this match. Jericho tried to come back, but Claudio kept overpowering him and even locked in a sharpshooter. Jericho finally got the upper hand, but couldn't get more than a two count and got frustrated. He went to use a bat, but Claudio countered. The ref took the bat away, and this allowed Jericho to hit a low blow. The Judas effect led to Jericho getting the win in 15 minutes. Your winner and new ROH champion, Chris Jericho. Good opener and a surprising finish. I thought that Claudio would have gotten a longer title reign, being that he was so, so sought after for the Ring of Honor title throughout his entire career. Makes no sense, but I guess they're going somewhere with Jericho. Short vignette for John Moxley preparing for tonight's main event for the AEW title. Should be a great one. And we go right back into the ring for Swerve in Our Glory taking on the acclaimed for the AEW tag team titles. Both teams pulled out all the stops, which was evident by Keith Lee hitting a Hornicon Rana on Max Caster and then showing off his strength. Swerve played dirty, and Lee was not too happy about it, but the champs were in control. Caster tried to make the comeback, but couldn't suplex Lee. Uh, Caster took out both Lee and Swerve and finally tagged in Bowens, who came in quick and was soon taken down by the champions. The acclaimed finally made a good comeback. Swerve accidentally hit Lee with a boombox, but Caster's knee gave out, and he could not deliver his top rope elbow drop. Miscue by Lee and Swerve. Uh, led to, into a sloppy-looking powerbomb for only two. Billy Gunn dropped Swerve with a Famouser. The Acclaim hit their finisher and got the win at the 14-minute mark. Your winners and new AEW Tag Team Champions, The Acclaimed. This was just as good as their last match, and I'm very happy that Bowens and Caster got the win. Great homegrown tag team. In my opinion, they deserved, deserved the titles. Lexi is with FTR. She asked her for their thoughts about the acclaimed uh, and as cash and Dax are congratulating them and say that both teams killed it out there. They get interrupted by the gun, gun club. The ass boys ramble on and Mark FTR before walking away. Tony Schiavone is with Willie Uta on the stage and wants to know who he thinks will win the AEW world title, but MJF cuts him off. He calls Tony a fat old prick and makes fun of Wheeler. Uta slams MJF right back and goes personal with his words. MJF turns it around and slams every member of the uh, Blackpool Combat Club until Wheeler smacks him, and then MJF knocks him down. MJF then shoves Tony, and this gives Yuta a chance to take Mox down. Uh, excuse me, Max down. Uh, but W. Morrissey comes in from out of nowhere and helps him take out Wheeler Yuta. What a segment. The words by MJF talking about Regal. Moxley and Brian were unbelievable. I can't believe he even went there, but that is why he is one of the best, if not the best, heels in the business. Pre-recorded comments from Jade Cargill and Diamanta come in to talk about the challenging for the TBS title this Friday, and she has a friend with her, and that friend will be Trina. Who the fuck is Trina? Orange Cassidy then takes on Pac for the uh, All-Atlantic Championship. A great back-and-forth match with Cassidy stepping up his game and matching Pac move for move. The Bastard finally began abusing Cassidy and just stepping all over his opponent. 
Pac tried for the Red Arrow, but Cassidy was one step ahead and brought the champion down with a big tornado DDT for a two. The action spilled to the outside, and that's where Pac finished off his opponent. Pac hit his opponent with a ring bell, rolled him into the ring, and got the win with 13 minutes left on the clock. Your winner and still AEW All-Atlantic champion, Pac. Good match, but a couple of too many cheap shot endings going on here. Not really liking that too much. We then go to our fatal four-way for the women's championship as Britt Baker takes on champion Tony Storm, Serena Deeb, and Athena. Action all over the ring with Athena taking on all three women. Double submission move on Storm and Athena by Serena Deeb looked fantastic. Scary moment when Athena botched and caused uh, Britt Baker's nose to be busted open. I don't know if this was a broken nose or what. Storm took out Deeb and Athena. Baker tried to roll her up, but it got reversed, and Storm scored the pinfall in 15 minutes. Your winner, and still the AEW women's champion, or interim champion, what have you, Tony Storm. Post-match, Baker, Rebel, Deeb, and the returning Jamie Hayter beat down Athena and Storm. Music hit, and everyone looked around until a familiar face popped up. Soraya, a.k.a. Paige, is now all elite. And she got a thunderous ovation. I mean, I would echo this with the ovation that CM Punk and MJF have gotten in the past in AEW. This is a pretty big signing for AEW. I don't know if she's going to be wrestling or managing. I don't even know if this girl is actually cleared to wrestle. But in any indication, congrats to Paige for signing and now being part of All Elite Wrestling. And now it is time for our main event, ladies and gentlemen. And we've got John Moxley taking on Brian Danielson for the AEW World Heavyweight title, the vacant title, which was stripped from CM Punk. These two threw everything they could at one another and held nothing back. Danielson threw his high knee, multiple kicks and elbows, and even a top rope back suplex. Moxley threw right hands, chokeholds, and even busted out a curb stop a la Seth Rollins. Both men kicked out of each other's finishes on multiple occasions, and MJF watched in approval from the skybox. They fell to the outside, and Moxley hit a double-arm DDT on the ramp, but it only got a two, so he locked in the bulldog sleeper. Danielson tried to fight out, but finally passed out. Moxley got the win in 20 minutes. Your winner and new AEW champion for the third time, John Moxley. Good main event but an underwhelming ending because as soon as the, the match was won and Danielson grabbed the title to give it to Moxley, the show cut out. We went straight to black. I'm really wondering what the heck happened there. It was a good show. Matches got time, and but too many cheap shot endings. And the way the show ended, like I said, by just fading to black after the main event made no sense. So I'm going to give AEW a four out of five as well this week. A tie between both shows, but I have to say something. A tie is not bad here because that means we got quality wrestling across the board. So congratulations to both shows. And with that being said, I placed out a message on the World Championship Custom Facebook page asking for questions from the listeners, but I got no reply. So I had to think of a grinds my gears on the fly. No big deal. Next time, guys, be ready. Because it's now time <laughs> for Grinds My Gears. And ladies and gentlemen, this week I am talking about one thing and one thing only. 
And that is the bad use of social media by wrestling companies. What do I mean by that? Well, allow me to explain. Too many times over the last couple of weeks, I have not had time to watch wrestling as it was airing live. I have DVR'd it and gone back and watched it either later on in the evening or earlier the next day. And what has happened is, is when I've gone on to Instagram, AEW and the WWE have basically placed the entire match on their social media. I'm not just talking about a still picture or a couple of words. No, they're putting up two to three minute videos from the matches. And in most cases, what's going on after the matches, who won, what big surprise happened. Jesus Christ, can you allow your show to be on the air for a couple of hours before you decide to go ahead and put it on your social media? No, you're allowing five minutes in between each match before you go ahead and throw it onto your Instagram or your Facebook or your TikTok. Uh, TikTok, whatever the hell that's called, or your Twitter. It's ridiculous. We wonder why the the ratings are in the shithole for these companies. I don't have to watch your show anymore on television. I could just watch it on your social media. I can get through all the BS that you're going to do. I can get through all the shit that's going to happen and just watch the highlights that you're showing me on Instagram or TikTok or any one of the other bits of social media that I have. It's ridiculous. Fans want to be able to watch wrestling and be surprised. But literally eight minutes after Paige made her debut, it was on AEW's Instagram. And then all over social media. Shouldn't I have the chance at least an hour or two after your show airs to be able to scroll through social media? Like, What if, what if someone tagged me in a post on Instagram and I went to go look at some, oh, they had a new baby. Oh, congratulations. This is great. And then the next thing that pops up on my feed is the surprise from AEW or from the WWE who have been using it to show the QR codes for the white rabbit. Now that's fine. You want to further a storyline using your social media. That's great. But on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Friday, God, that's a lot of days for wrestling or during a pay-per-view. Your, your social media should be dark for the hours that you're on the air. And then once your show is aired and been on TV for at least an hour or so, start releasing your damn highlights because I'm tired of having things spoiled for me on your social media. I'm not a big fan of social media. I want you guys to understand that. And I'm really not a fan of when people use it to just be on it for no reason. It's like, okay, here, here, look, here's a, here's a picture of my spaghetti Here's a picture of my toes today. Yeah, what two opposites, spaghetti and toes. Unbelievable. But, you know, if all you're doing is posting to be posting and to get likes, it's ridiculous. So wrestling companies should not be using it for the same reason. You're a wrestling company. Have a little bit of dignity. Allow a little bit of time to pass and then go ahead and post it. Don't do it immediately, though, because you're ruining it. And I, like I said... I have no reason to watch your show then if I know who won, got the highlights of the match, and I'm done. You understand? I can even use that into my own benefit to make this podcast. I could actually save myself eight hours of wrestling a week. I don't, but I could. So, with that being said, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to thank you for being here each and every week, for liking and uh, subscribing and doing all you have for the We Can't Wrestle podcast. 
WrestleNet Radio Network. Make sure you check out our other shows that I mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, like I always say, until next time, I'll see you next week on If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking.